Welcome to Pensions WTAF Working Through the Actual Facts podcast, a podcast brought to you by Pengage Limited, pension communications, engagement and guidance experts. I'm Laura and I have 25 years experience working within the pension sector, helping people to prepare and plan for their retirement. And I'm Nigel Heaton. I joined um, Laura at Pengage last year. After 33 years working in the pensions industry uh, for some of the major employee benefit consultancies, I'm also a fellow of the Pensions Management Institute and on pensions, I'm really short of an opinion. So this is a podcast no one will want to listen to because it's about pensions, but you should listen to it. It's a bit fun, it's relatable, it's kind of important. This is not financial advice, but guidance to help work through some of the practical and emotive issues that causes pensions procrastination. So we basically take the complicated stuff and try and make it a bit not complicated. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. It's been a very long time, sincere apologies, but we are now back uh, through our massive busy period. So here we are to talk to you again today. Hi Nigel, how are you doing? Hello, yes, I'm good, thanks. Yes, it has been a while, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I, w- I was racking my brains to think what we're going to talk about because there's a lot happened since we did the last one. And of course, we've done dozens and dozens of um, webinars uh, a lot of them on, on pensions tax, annual allowance and lifetime allowance. So uh, I guess that the, the topic could be one from a number. Um, I, I've been reading some, because I've got to get my CPD in for the end of 2021, because I'm a fellow of the PMI. I don't know if I mentioned it. Um, but in, 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 doing, <laughs> in doing that, I was re- I was reading about some of the uh, salary sacrifice stuff. Um and it's really entertaining in my house, I can tell you. Um, but um, something that I came across was the the fact that you can actually um, offer, as an employer, you can actually offer salary sacrifice for your employees um, for pensions advice and guidance. Did you know that? Well, do you know, I did. And I think actually it's many people haven't. I think it's quite an underused thing. And um you would sort of expect wouldn't you that the way that pensions are going particularly the amount of changes that we're seeing across the public sector pension schemes that it would be something that perhaps is a bit further up the list um so let's talk about that then is is it worth just outlining for those that don't know or aren't sure what a salary sacrifice arrangement is um i I guess it probably is yes so, yeah, go ahead. Don't let me okay. stop you. Yeah. All right. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, salary sacrifice schemes are schemes where um, an individual can choose to have a benefit and the cost of that benefit is deducted from their salary. So I'll, I'll use the typical example that you, you tend to see a lot, which is uh, a car. So it might be that you're allowed to do a lease car through a salary sacrifice arrangement. And say your salary is £60,000 a year, but you take a car and the annual cost of that car is £5,000 a year, then you take a lower salary of 55000 plus the car. Um, and by doing it that way, you're actually saving yourself a little bit of tax and national insurance and your employer is also saving some national insurance. So it can be quite a nice tax efficient way of of having certain benefits. Um, You do have to be a bit careful with some. If you are somebody who particularly has 
pensions annual allowance issues um, when you do a salary sacrifice your pensionable pay becomes the lower pay so it becomes the amount of pay you're receiving after the sacrifice so that can mean that your pension benefits can go down in certain circumstances but it also means if you stop doing one of those arrangements it can jump back up so they are good but you do have to just make sure you understand your own position yeah Common salary sacrifices are things like car, as we've said, bike to work scheme now is quite a big one, childcare vouchers. Um, I think some um, central government and NHS employers offer something called a technology scheme. So there's there's quite a few of them. And most employers within the public sector um, are very familiar with the general concept of salary sacrifice because they'll already be running certain schemes. Would you say yeah. that was fair? I think that's fair. I've um, over the years in my career with employee benefit consultancies, I've taken advantage of quite a wide range of salary sacrifice schemes. But I, I, I will admit to having bought at least three bikes on cycle to work schemes, none of which were suitable um, for cycling to work, not least because I would be based either in an office hundreds of miles away or working from home, but also because they were child's bikes and I would probably break them if I actually used them myself. So. I don't think I don't think people actually come round and inspect the bike to check that you bought a bike that you can really cycle to work on. But yes, they are quite valuable benefits. But of course, you can also operate the defined contribution pension scheme that you offer to your employees through salary sacrifice. Yeah. Yes, you can. Yeah. So I I've done that before at a previous employer, and that would be where. Yeah the value of my pension contributions um, would be taken off my pay, so my pay would reduce. So let's say that was by £1,000 a year. And then the employer contribution is effectively my £1,000 that I would normally pay, plus their contribution. And by doing that, again, you say you save a bit of money on national insurance. Um, and the employer that I was with actually then, they also saved money on national insurance and they reinvested that into the pension on our behalf. So the pension contribution then was actually a bit higher. Yeah, so, and yeah, that's one of the reasons I mentioned it is that it is quite a common thing whereby if you offer the defined contribution pension arrangement via salary sacrifice that the employer quite often shares some of their national insurance saving with uh, the employees quite often via uh, an additional employer contribution. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a win-win, doesn't it? So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but yeah. but yeah, you're right. So there is this what I would call a very underused salary sacrifice option, um, which employers could potentially implement to assist their employees around pensions, guidance and advice. Yeah. So when you. OK, okay so I, I, I read about this as part of my CPD, but so I, I've sort of looked at some of the high level facts. But I think one of the crucial points is what, what do we mean by pensions, guidance and advice? Because in our world advice on pensions has got a particular meaning partly because it's a regulated uh, term yes you're right so advice every time i'm mentioning the word advice i'm doing it in quotation marks okay or italics if you could see it written down so it's not necessarily financial advice in the regulated sense that you've just mentioned so it doesn't mean it has to be through a financial advisor it can be through a pension specialist 
guidance education okay. um so so it can be absolutely be through through a financial advisor of course but it, it's not specific to that so they sort of characterize it as um pensions advice or guidance um in connection with the person's pension arrangements um to help them understand and make informed decisions about saving for their retirement so, okay. so when they talk about oh, advice right. it's a bit broader than than what we would typically get um very specific about in terms of regulated advice it has to be to do with the pension it yeah. can't be can't be wider than that yeah. um and yes it, it, so, so so for example you might have somebody who is um coming up to retirement and they want some guidance education or advice whatever you want to characterize that as to help them understand all their retirement options that are available to them and that would sort of fall into that category so it would include things like general education on pensions tax and how the annual and lifetime allowances work it would include generic retirement planning information such as preparing from a, a mental health and a physical health and a financial health sense um, understanding pension estimates and projections um, and in the public sector understanding the impact of the McLeod remedy all those kind of things yes exactly all of those kind of things yeah okay. um, so so it, it can be as well um, if employ the employer provides um, advice in inverted commas to its employees on an individual basis or if they perhaps ran a group session that the employee had to pay to attend then they could it could also work that way you tend not to see much of that you tend to see more of um individuals wanting their own support and, and knowing where to go and get that all right so, so okay so that's a lot of what i've been reading about but w what was lacking what i'm hoping you can uh, tell us and hopefully our worldwide audience is how, how would you actually implement something like this in practice? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So it's going to be slightly different for each employer because, as I mentioned before, um, employers will probably be running a series of salary sacrifice schemes already, um, again, particularly across the public sector. So it will be um, a process that they will need to devise uh, themselves between in their payroll and finance departments. But essentially, the way that we've seen it working is that the employer um, will set up this additional salary sacrifice scheme in the same way that they've set up other schemes internally and they uh, advertise it to their employees and what that then means is that the employee can fill in a form that says that they are seeking pension guidance or advice and then anything up to the value of 500 pounds the employee can then claim effectively or offset through the salary sacrifice arrangement. Um, so what that means is that they could have some guidance that, for example, costs £500 and they fill in a form for their employer to say they're doing it through the salary sacrifice arrangement. The person then or the company that is providing the guidance or education or advice to that individual will then invoice the individual who passes it to their employer their employer pays the invoice and then what they do is effectively then implement the deduction from salary on the salary sacrifice basis. Now, most employers that I've seen that are operating this then do the salary sacrifice deduction spread across 
the year. So it's not a case of um, income tax relief on the £500 in one go. It's income tax relief on the £500 plus. It's then taken effectively from the pay in 12 instalments as well. So it makes the ability to access guidance, advice, education a bit easier for, for some people. Yeah. So it's almost like treated like an employee benefit because quite often an employer would offer, um, especially where they're offering flexible benefits, they would have a, a flexible benefit selection window during which period um, employees can make a choice as to what their benefits will be for that particular year. And then in effect, they're locked in for that year. So it would work in a, a similar way to that, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think, if you were an employer, why would you do this? I suppose there's two reasons, isn't there? One is that you want your people to be better prepared and be be able to make better decisions about their finances, specifically their pension. But secondly, you also want to give them some kind of financial help in paying towards that guidance. Is that right? Have I missed anything? Yeah, I, yeah, no, I think it's that. I think it's 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 probably something that I said before. It's probably making it accessible when perhaps at the moment it doesn't necessarily feel accessible. If somebody, for example, feels they've got to pay £500 for some support that they really need to help them make the best decisions for them, but they don't have £500, then it yeah. instantly feels that they can't get that. And, and that can be quite worrying. It can be quite stressful. And, um, you know, we know at the moment that that financial well-being is, is a real issue for, for a lot of people. Implementing a salary sacrifice um, means that, yes, people will save money because they won't be paying income tax on that £500. So if you're a 20 or 40% taxpayer, that could be quite a big saving. But also, as I say, it, it becomes accessible through those payments effectively in instalments. So it's, it's giving at, at no real cost to the employer it's providing something to the employees that they perhaps haven't been able to access before. And I think that's quite important, particularly, as you mentioned, in the public sector with um, pensions tax and all the changes that are coming as a result of McLeod, people really want to understand yeah. their circumstances. So a lot of the engagement and education webinars that we have done in the recent past and that we're currently working on for the next uh, couple of years those are the kind of things where employers could offer them through the salary sacrifice arrangement in principle. Yep, so employers could do that. I mean, our experience is generally that employers will just finance those sessions anyway for their employees. They're not passing yeah. on the cost, but if they did want to pass on the cost, they could then do it through the salary sacrifice arrangement. Um, yeah. The the thing that you and I both know is that webinars are, are really, really great and we get a lot of good feedback from those. Sometimes people feel that they need a little bit more and it's it's then that's when kind of this individual yeah. session kind of appears. Um, th things we've got to be careful of, just, you know, not, I don't want to get too technical, but the salary sacrifice only allows somebody to have a salary sacrifice of up to £500 a year. So if your, your fee that you need to pay with your the person who's giving you advice or guidance is less than £500, that's not a problem. If it is more than £500, then effectively the process is you get two invoices, one for the up to £500, which is then passed to the employer to put through the salary sacrifice scheme, and then yeah. one for the remaining balance that the individual would then have to pay separately. Okay. Um, and I guess if you're an employer setting this up from scratch, you've got some setup costs and hassle involved um, at, the, at the outset. But if you have salary sacrifice in place for other benefits, including some of those that we talked about, 
earlier on, then it's probably something you've already got a process for. And it's not that difficult just to add another benefit in inverted commas to, to the list that you've already got offering to your employees. No, that's right. It should be it, sh- it should be pretty straightforward for for yeah. many of the employers that we're sort of particularly talking about to to set up. Uh, one of the things that, that they will have to think about is um, just that that process mechanism of paying those invoices. So let's just say, for example, they had a hundred people within their NHS trust in a month, and all of those hundred people went to different places for their guidance or advice then the finance department has got to make sure they've got 100 new suppliers on the system and to pay invoices um, you know, to 100 different people. That 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 is quite a big yeah. part of the process. So whether yeah. it's a case of, um, you know, there are recommended organisations such as on the NHS employers website, um, you know, as a, as a list of recommended providers who are experienced in NHS pensions, um, just to try and narrow the field a bit, but but not being too restrictive, you know, just to try and like help manage that process. I mean, it's unlikely that scenario would arise, but that was just quite extreme. But just, you know, to, to, give, an, to give an idea of that could be an extra part of the process employers might have to manage. Okay, you called it underused at the start. I guess it is bearing in mind what we've talked about it is quite surprising that that it's not it's not used more often especially in the public sector where uh, nhs trusts and public sector employers do talk especially in the current environment about their need to put their staff first and empower them to improve their financial um, and health well-being it's it's probably it's probably ironic that this isn't offered more. Is that right? Would you agree? I, I think so. But I don't think it's a case of um, people just refusing to offer it. I think it's just people aren't aware of it. I'm so surprised yeah. at how much it is not talked about. And um, and you know yourself, um, I've had a conversations with a few NHS trusts recently about, you know, do you want to think about doing this? Because actually it could potentially really help some people. Yeah. Um, but I just think people just are not aware of it. And I'm glad that you've read about it and you've brought it up today because actually this gives us the opportunity to say to people, um, you know, ask your employer if it's something that they are offering. If it isn't something they're offering, is it something they could potentially offer? And, you know, if they want to get in touch with us, then we would happily just um, share the information that we have and the relevant details yeah. if they then want to investigate that a bit further. OK, very good. Oh, so it's a good job I was doing my CPD, isn't it? And I, and I guess one thing I also discovered in um, looking at my CPD, which I've now sent off for last year, is that I can claim CPD for presenting a podcast. So I guess I can claim um, nearly half an hour for doing this one. Can, can you do yeah. that for every, is, are you limited like so if you did 20,000 podcasts can you claim all of that or is it capped at a certain amount probably but you'd probably qualify for some kind of other type of award if you managed to do 20,000 podcasts because yes. that, 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 that's like some that. effort that, that's some that's some kind of <laughs> that, that's real stamina um and it, it depends if the PMI are listening to this because they might well change the policy once they hear how, how little technical content I add um during the podcast but um Yes, I can claim CPD points for doing this. Oh, that's very good. So anybody else listening who is currently trying to claim CPD points, go and do a podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else in there that we need to cover. I don't think there is. I, I always I think, think it's worth asking your employer because um, 
you know, I'm, I'm very conscious of public sector pensions at the moment and the cloud and it causing some, rightly or wrongly, causing some angst for people being unsettled in because they, they're not sure how it's going to affect their own position. And so maybe this is something that could could help with that. Yeah, agreed. OK, thank you. Well done. Right. I've, I'll let you go I've and do some lot. more CPD or something now. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. See you later. Thanks, bye. See you later. Bye. Bye.